0: Amen. If you have your Bibles, open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and we're going to be in verses 16 through 33 this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 16 through 33, and if you don't have your own copy of God's Word, you can open up in the Pew Bible to page 1334, 1,000. 334 in the pew bible and as you're opening up there i do want to remind everyone that easter is coming up soon and uh, we can go ahead and begin praying even now for our efforts at uh, easter that the lord would use us to reach many people for christ during this season during this time Um, i think i've told you already but it's good reminder it's the second it's the time of the year when people are the second most likely to accept an invitation to church just right behind Christmas Eve. And so uh, we'll have good invitations for you to use and that sort of thing to invite uh, those around you to come to church on Easter. And I promise you, if they, if they come, you know, you, I'm hoping you get when you get the opportunity to share the gospel anyway, but if they come on Easter, they'll hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. I like to think they hear it every Sunday, but we'll make sure in particular that 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 the gospel is preached with a lot of clarity on Easter Sunday. And so we look forward to that. To that day, I I love Easter and can't, can't wait to spend it with all of you. If you have your Bibles open there, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 16 through 33. Why don't you do me a favor and go ahead and stand with me out of reverence for the reading of the words of our God. Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in such a way that as the words on this page are being read, God himself is speaking to us. Beginning verse 16. I repeat. Let no one think me foolish, but even if you do, accept me as a fool, so that I too may boast a little. What what, what I am saying with this boastful confidence, I say not as the Lord would, but as a fool. Since many boast according to the flesh, I too will boast, for you gladly bear with fools, being wise yourselves. For you bear it if someone makes slaves of you, or devours you, or takes advantage of you, or puts on airs, or strikes you in the face. To my shame, I must say, we were too weak for that. But whatever anyone else dares to boast of, and I am speaking as a fool, I I also dare to boast of that. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. I'm talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city. Danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made to fall and I am not indignant? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, he who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. At Damascus, the governor under King Aretas was guarding the city of Damascus in order to seize me. But I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped his hands. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord our God, we thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ that gives us hope even in our suffering. And God, it's in our suffering, I pray, that we would look to Christ. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. This sermon, this passage, this text, this idea of suffering for the gospel has always been relevant for the Lord's people. There's never been a Lord's day in 2,000 years of Christian history. There's never been a moment, there's never been... A day where this text was not relevant to the Lord's people. In fact, if you just think about this week, we could do this any week, but just this week, some of us are unnerved by an epidemic disease, the coronavirus, that's spreading Some of us had friends and loved ones, and any of us could see pictures and photos of the carnage and the tornadoes that were in Nashville, and it makes us sick to see. Some of us have been to funerals, and some of us are yet to go to funerals this very week, and there's more. There's more to look at if you open up the newspaper or open up your preferred news site. There's plenty to see, plenty to look at. And then there are some of you, some of you in this very room, who are suffering in ways that none of us can see and that none of us know. In pain, in sickness, Perhaps in anguish. Perhaps you're wrestling with the old foe of depression. Perhaps you're going through something and and you don't even know quite how to articulate it. And yet there you are knowing that something in this world that God made, this world that is our Father's world, this world that God made and called good, you know something isn't right. There is suffering in the world. And there are people whose faith has been shipwrecked by suffering in the world. There are those of us who just wrestle regularly with the presence of suffering in the world. Over the years in my life and education and ministry, I've written papers about why there's suffering in the world or or tried to understand how you can reconcile a good and all-powerful God with suffering in the world. But nothing, and I mean nothing, Short of what God has told me in his word. Nothing has strengthened my faith. Nothing has made me trust in the goodness and beauty and righteousness of God. In the light of suffering. Quite like pastoring God's people through their suffering. In other words, nothing has strengthened my faith like your faith. In the midst of trials for the Christian for the believer all suffering is suffering for Christ and so as you hear this idea of Paul suffering for the gospel some of us may be called properly to suffer for the gospel at some point in our lives some sort of direct correlation of suffering and yet for the Christian all suffering is suffering for Christ when we put our faith in Jesus when we give our lives to Christ we recognize at that very moment that no suffering is wasted that all of our suffering belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ and that all of our suffering is given meaning because God's son suffered as well. We identify with our Lord in his suffering through our suffering. And some of you, when you see suffering, you may see that as a sign. Where is God when I suffer? What a good question. What an honest question. What a soul-searching question. It's a question I think the Lord is fine with. Don't don't ever forget that God can handle your questions. He can handle your doubts. In fact, that's where I would take them if I were you. Job asked these difficult questions. Habakkuk asked these difficult questions. Many, many faithful saints of God have asked God, where are you when I suffer? But my friends, suffering is no more of a sign that God doesn't love us than it was for His Son. And though if you'd been walking by Golgotha that day, you might have looked over and seen Jesus Christ and thought, there's one who's accursed and forsaken by His people, by Rome, and certainly by His God. And yet the suffering of our Lord was not the final act of the story, was it? In fact, there on the cross where Jesus was despised and forsaken of men, where He was receiving the wrath of His Father, that did not mean that His Father had ceased to love Him. His suffering didn't mean that He was no longer a son. No, in fact, God proved His sonship, did He not, when He raised Him from the dead. And there's not a single suffering Christian who does not share in the same promise. Knowing, though, that our suffering our mourning may last for the night. Every single Christian knows that our joy comes when the morning star dawns on that great day. This morning, I want to push you, even as you suffer, even as you struggle, even as you mourn, even as you grieve. I want to push you toward hope in Christ. I want to show you three situations of suffering. Three ways I think that Paul suffered and three ways I think you may suffer. This isn't all the suffering that happens in the Christian life, but for this text we'll look at it in this respect where we're going to look at just sort of three situations of suffering. And my hope and my goal this morning is that as you hear this text preached, as you hear what Paul went through, as you hear the way that he's looking to Jesus in the midst of his suffering, I hope and pray it will motivate you and push you toward trusting Jesus yourself in the midst of your own suffering. And the suffering of those around you. Three situations of suffering. Where I hope you'll nonetheless trust in Jesus. Trust Christ. Here's the first point this morning. Trust Christ when you seem foolish. Trust Christ when you seem foolish. These verses. Verses 16 through the first half of verse 21. Paul is really cleverly turning sort of conventional wisdom of what is foolish and what is wise. He's, he's turning it on its head. He, he's using pretty thick irony. One could probably even argue it's sarcasm. I don't because I don't need biblical justification to be sarcastic. So I use the word irony, okay? Paul may use it, but I won't all the time. What's he doing? He's using really thick irony. And and, and sincerely, he is just about being sarcastic, almost funny. He's using it to make his, his point. In other words, what seems right in the world's eyes is the opposite of what is right in God's eyes. And so what he's trying to expose here is the way that his critics and those in Corinth are preaching a false gospel and casting down on his apostleship. He's trying to demonstrate and show the way that they're not actually acting according to God's wisdom. They may be acting according to the world's wisdom. And so what Paul has done is shown the way that acting this way is foolish. The, acting the way these super apostles are acting. Throughout 2 Corinthians, he's been establishing It's foolish to act that way. And then Paul sort of as a, just in a turn here, sort of says, well, you know what, if they're going to be foolish, let me act foolish too. Let let, let me be a fool also. Let let me act like a fool by boasting a little bit. They're going to boast, let me boast too. Notice the different things that Paul deals with as he begins to boast. He he kind of demonstrates first how being boastful in his situation would make sense. Notice what he says. Notice what he's driving at. I repeat, let no one think me foolish. But even if you do, accept me as a fool so that I too may boast a little. What I am saying with this boastful confidence, I say not as the Lord would, but as a fool. Since many boast according to the flesh, I too will boast. What's he doing? He's saying, yeah, boasting makes sense. And so if they're going to boast and be foolish and they're boasting, I'll be a fool too. And yet what he's doing is he's living out the truth. He's already demonstrated to the Corinthians in chapter 10, verse 17, when he says, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. If you were reading this letter for the first time, And you're one of Paul's supporters. And deep down inside you're thinking, I wish he would just let these guys have it. At this moment, you're starting to feel really good. It's about time, Paul. We were wondering when you're going to pull these Jesus gloves off and really let them have it. You know, he's driving at the fact that boasting would make sense and really self-defense. If if you just take the world's wisdom, self-defense makes sense. They're not going to defend you. You better defend yourself. For you gladly bear with fools, Paul says, being wise yourselves. In other words, what he's saying is you're, you're listening to their self-defense. I guess I should, since you're so wise, I guess I'll be foolish too and defend myself as well. Paul's showing the way that domineering leadership makes sense in the world's terms. If you can't beat them, beat them harder. If you can't make them do what you want to do, try harder. Dominate. Be domineering. What, what is Paul doing? I think he's showing kind of the way some of these folks have acted toward the Corinthian believers. Listen to verses 20 21. For you bear it if someone makes slaves of you, or devours you, or takes advantage of you, or puts on airs, or strikes you in the face way to insult someone or someone's being really bad in the ancient world. be struck in the mouth. Our Lord was struck in the mouth by the Jewish leaders. What does Paul say? This is where he gets sarcastic. To my shame, I must say, we were too weak for that. You're criticizing me for how I behaved and they're, they're treating you like this. And let me just say, you're guilty as charged we were too weak for that too weak to strike you too weak to take advantage of you too weak to put on airs what is paul saying here what's he really driving at what he's saying at is in the eyes of the world you're right we look like fools When other people are boasting and other people are defending themselves and other people are dominating and domineering over you, we look like fools. Because here we are trying to say we are the ones with real authority and yet how do we act? We act weak. We act insufficient for these things. We're doing something ridiculous, something silly. We're trusting the gospel. What's Paul doing? He's acting like there's really a God. You see, when we try to dominate, when we feel the need to constantly defend ourselves, when we feel the need to boast about ourselves, we're acting like there's not a God in heaven who can speak on our behalf, who can act on our behalf. You see, sometimes, my friends, following Jesus, following the Lord Jesus Christ, trusting in Christ will sometimes lead to a sort of suffering that's difficult to explain. And it's the suffering of looking like a fool. It's the suffering or a difficulty or a trial that you could get out of if you just do what makes sense to the world. If you're just looking at it from a straight perspective, if you would just do what the world does, it seems like you could get right out of this situation. You know, if you'd just fib a little here, you could get out of it. Or if you'd just bend a little on this one thing, you could get out of it. If you would just stop acting like this. If you would just boast a little, Paul. If you would just defend yourself a little, Paul. If you'd just come down here and sort of show how strong you are and, and how, how big and mean and mighty you are, then perhaps this would all go away. If you just prove how you're great. If you just use your power to dominate. You'd be out of the situation. And yet my friends. I want to encourage you. Some of you may be suffering in that way even now. Where folks say whatever they want about you. Or whatever else. It's hard. It's really hard not to defend your own character. But that belongs to the Lord. That's God's job. Righteousness must prevail. You must trust Christ when you seem foolish. But it's not only that. Second of all, you must trust Christ when you suffer physically. You, you must trust Christ when you suffer physically. Paul's being made to look like a fool, but in the midst of all of this, he is also going through physical Suffering. Just look at this list. I, I want you to really feel the weight of, of Paul's list of his suffering. The second half of verse 21 down into 27. What is he doing? He's saying, okay, I'm going to boast. I'll go toe for toe with these guys. I, 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 toe to toe, I, I, I'm going to go with these guys and I'm just going to boast a little bit. So bear with my foolishness, he says. But bear with my foolishness. Here, here it comes. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Everybody's excited. Everybody's cheering. Thank you, Paul, finally. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? Now, listen to what he says. I am a better one. I'm talking like a madman. With far greater labors, he says. Once again, he's leading them on. And then it changed. He actually starts to sound like a fool again in the eyes of the super apostles. Because what they were criticizing him for, his suffering. He says, all the things they say I don't have, I actually do have. But that is not what justifies me before God. Who I am as an Israelite, who I am as a Hebrew, all my works, that is not what justifies me before God. The only thing I have to boast in is my weakness, Paul is saying. And so look at this list. Imprisonment, countless beatings, he was often near death, five times he received 40 lashes minus one with a whip, three times he was beaten with rods, once he was stoned. He went through three shipwrecks. In fact, at one point, he was adrift at sea for one day and one night. He was constantly journeying and traveling. Some of y'all have to travel a lot. I get depressed at the Hampton Inn in Greenville, Alabama, after two nights away from my family. Imagine what Paul went through. He said he was in danger, danger from rivers. Danger from robbers, danger from the Jewish people in every city, danger from the Gentiles in every city, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea. And then on top of all that, there are people who claim Christ, who are actually false Christians who bring Paul in danger. In the midst of all this, he's working hard. There's toil, there's hardships. He goes through many sleepless nights. There are days when he's hungry, he's thirsty, there's no food to eat. He goes through cold and exposure. Just look at the list. Look at what he went through. Brothers and sisters, the Bible is not silent on physical suffering. Any sort of thought, any sort of idea that God has promised that his people won't suffer is ignorant of the teaching of the New Testament. No, the Bible is not silent on physical suffering. In fact, God has never spared his people physical suffering suffering. God and his gospel are not a lucky rabbit's foot. We just get saved and put that little rabbit's foot in our pocket, and from then on, everything's hunky-dory. Tell that to Paul. Tell that to Paul. You think about one, think about one single one of these, imagine, take any one of these categories, all right, and just say, either any one of these categories For you to come to church on Sunday morning, you just have to pick one to go through that day, and that's the only way you get to church. Everybody be thanking God for the TV ministry. (laughs) Now, think about it. I don't want to beat up on God's people, but think about it. Think about it. How how does your heart respond? Let me ask you this question. Be, Be honest with yourself. How does your heart respond when things don't go the way you want them to go at church. I'm not even talking about everywhere else. I'm talking on the day when we're supposed to be at our best. Wear our best. Do our best. That's not what church is for, is it? No, no, no. We're here to meet God. We're here to fellowship with His people. And yet, look at this. The Bible tells God's people they will suffer. Look at what Paul went through to get the gospel to these places and to these people and yet, here I am in the midst of this, some of you going through awful things, awful sufferings in your own life, in your own hearts. And yet, here I am telling you to hope in Christ. But it's not just me, my friends. You can look at me and say, that guy hasn't suffered much. And I understand. I get that. You can write me off. But you can't write Paul off. Paul went through a lot. And you certainly can't write our Lord off, can you? You suffer the very wrath of God on your behalf. Back in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, Paul talks about suffering. What does he call it? Listen to what he says. He says, For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Paul was stoned once, right? He was beat with rods multiple times. He was whipped five times. I'm going to tell you all something right now. The first time I get beat with rods, it's all I'm ever going to talk about again. Every time I see somebody, they're like, preacher, how are you doing today? I'm like, doing good, a little sore. You remember that time I got beat with rods, right? But what does Paul call it? Light, momentary. Affliction. It's easy to write a verse like that off and feel like the Bible's sort of distant from what we're going through, distant from what we're experiencing. But think about what the guy that said it is saying. What did he go through? What is he actually calling light, momentary affliction? Why is it? That he calls it that. He says, because it's preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. What Paul is saying is, if in the midst of your deep and dark suffering, if you can catch a glimpse of Jesus, you can know and recognize that even though you're suffering today, even though you're dark today, even though you are on having your worst day ever, if you can catch a glimpse of Jesus, you can know and recognize and have hope because physical suffering doesn't have. the last word God writes the last chapter of all of our stories some of you have been through excruciating things physically I've I've been around for some of those things and certainly heard the stories of some of those things and yet we serve a Christ whose body was broken so that he could make our bodies whole one day at the resurrection You see, there is a glory that's brewing even in our physical suffering. And what you need to know is those of you who are suffering, you can hope in Christ because God is treating you no differently than He treated His beloved Son in whom He is well pleased. He made Him obedient through suffering. And God will not waste your suffering either. No matter what, He loves and cares for you. And no matter what, in your suffering in this life, even if it means you die, we serve a Christ who defeated the grave, and He's coming back for us as well. He doesn't leave our bodies broken. He doesn't leave our bodies destroyed. He doesn't leave our bodies in the ground. We are sown in hope that one day Jesus will make all things right, all things whole, and all things new, including us. Trust Christ in your physical suffering. But finally... Trust Christ when you are weak. Trust Christ when you are weak. And apart from other things, that's not even the full list, right? So that's a stop. And apart from other things, verse 28, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made to fall and I am not indignant? On top of all this, he's got the spiritual and emotional and mental pressure of worrying about all the churches. But don't think for a moment there's not a little bit of a subtext there for the Corinthians if you think that all I'm going through is this little trial with you, I've got all the churches to think about in the midst of all these things every day. I am still compelled to love you, to care for you, to preach to you, to pray for you. There is pressure he has from all the churches. Who is weak, he says, if I am not weak? Look at his dependence on God. He says, look at me, I'm, I'm nothing. In fact, when they're hiding out for me, to take me away, I don't go down and meet them head on and say, I'm Paul the mighty. What do I have to do? Get let down in a basket. It's embarrassing. He says he's dependent on others. He has to be humiliated sometimes, even to survive. But what does he say? What does he say? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that Show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, He who is blessed forever, He knows that I am not lying. If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. You see, I know your heart. Not everything about it, but I know your heart because I know my heart. And I know how we all feel about this. You see and I see. Our frailty, you see your troubles, you see your suffering, you see the places where you lack ability, you see your weakness as a problem, don't you? You see your weakness as the worst thing about you. You see those places where you struggle as the absolute worst thing about you, but how does God see your weakness? How does God see your struggles? What does God see when He sees you suffering? How does God view your weakness? He knows that when you are weak, He is strong. Brothers and sisters, God can do more with your weakness than you can do with your strength. This morning, are you suffering for the gospel? Are you weak and wish you had the strength to do more for God? Stay humble. Trust Christ. Why don't you let Him use your weakness to demonstrate and to magnify His strength? I've told you this before, but it's true. Years ago when I was studying for ministry and preparing for ministry, I didn't sit around and dream and think, man, I can't wait to see how God uses all the things I'm bad at in the future. I'm so weak and frail. I can't wait to see how God uses that at some, some precious, blessed church that gets to have this weakling as a pastor one day. Of course, that's not what I thought. And yet, over the years, looking back, I recognize nothing, nothing, nothing has been more used of God in my life and my ministry than my weakness. I wouldn't trade my weak moments For anything. But you might say, does that really work? Does letting God use our weakness really work? Think about our Lord. Think about the cross. When the Lord was at his weakest, at his frailest, at his most dependent on the Father, was that not simultaneously where he was the strongest, strong enough to turn the tide? of the entirety of human history. Strong enough to remake human beings into His very image. Strong enough to defeat sin and death and the devil in one fell swoop. My friends, embrace your weakness. Trust God in your suffering. Because you need to know this morning that you're never more like Christ than when you're totally dependent on the strength and the mercy